They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Bye, 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 I'm all right, David Hillard. <laughs> isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how just at the point that we had professional podcast setups, it was, must have been at least about a week's worth of recording <laughs> before coronavirus hit, and now we're back on dreadful sound quality again. Yeah, yeah, and we're not. It's not just that we're not sounding good. If you could see what Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Mama bees, I didn't bring a pair of scissors. I didn't bring a razor. So, I by the by the time we escape this, I'm going to look like the guy at the start of uh, I'm the It's Man from Monty Python. Start of Monty Python. <laughs> 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 but, um, but how's how's the world? We're going to try and steer away from Corona chat. But how's how's the world been for you, Jody? These last few days weeks it's, it's been it's been absolutely fine it's been absolutely fine the um the weather has made a massive difference uh, mm. it's just lovely and it makes such a difference having a garden and you know the kids are kids are happy and we're having barbecues and stuff like that it has mitigated it quite a lot I think. yeah that is good um, although today it oh, was a bit difficult because it's the first day of school and they're back at school, and so Frida had online lessons. Oh, online lessons through, in how to teach for her or for the kids? For the kids. So she had online lessons. She had uh, on Microsoft Teams with the class. Wow. And yeah, how does that work? Uh, and so they all log on. It's like I've, I've never used Microsoft Teams, and but I know loads of people use it. So they all basically log on together, and then they all sit looking at each other, um, and then they set them different tasks. Uh, and everything and then they all stay on the screen while they're doing going through it and it and it, it sounds chaotic uh, and it sounded pretty chaotic when I was listening to it as well um, <laughs> but it's quite but it, it, it seemed to work quite well the only problem with this was that Frida then had um, uh, lessons from uh, nine o'clock till three o'clock mm. and she think oh that's great so you know but the problem is that then Hugo who's four has no one to play with and so he's walking around like on the war path, <laughs> making everyone feel guilty and bad because he goes, no one wants to play with me. No one play with me. We're like, we're trying to work. <laughs> so what, would he normally be at a nursery or something? Or? Yeah, exactly. He'd, he'd normally be at a nursery. And so, um, but you know, they don't, they're not going to do the nursery on Zoom. So, so, so it was a bit like that. But what, what I really like is um, one of the teachers didn't turn up for the lesson. <gasps> Well, what? How can they, they not turn up? They're at home. Well, they're, suppo- they're supposed to, exactly. They're supposed to have the art lesson, and it was at one thirty, and then all but all the kids are online, and then after about two minutes, they're all chatting shit about her, <laughs> just going on, <laughs> just probably, probably eating her Easter eggs. It's probably, and she just never turned up. <laughs> Legends. Yeah, I know. So yeah, so it's, it's actually their school teach, their own school teachers are teaching yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, I see. I thought that was going to be because I've been seeing and hearing rumours of 
David Attenborough teaching oh, geography. Yeah, no. And so I thought maybe the whole nation was doing a Joe Wicks style listening to no, Ricky Gervais no. teaches teaches comedy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Oh, so actually, in some ways. It's probably easier for the teacher because no one can really talk to. Could the kids talk to each other? They can talk to each other. But the thing is, I I was looking at how this worked because we were worried that the school weren't going to put it in place. So we all started doing a bit of research about what other schools were doing and how we needed to have something. And if they didn't have anything, we'd all be really angry about it. So we started doing this research. And um, then you realise that um, uh, in the US when they're doing this, Mm. People were paying other people to um, uh, Zoom bomb uh, lessons. But there's also... <laughs> also... <laughs> okay, get... so I can imagine what a Zoom bomb is. But it's a Zoom bomb, someone just comes and is like, Way! Wah, 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 willy! Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, into classes of kids and stuff like that. And so they were paying people to do that. And there were do other ones where um, they were like these absolute comedy geniuses who... Yeah fake an argument with their mum or something like that and they'd be they, they'll all be sitting in class with like this like like 30 kids looking at the screen and this kid will be going mum shut the hell up shut the hell up no one the dead left you and they're all kind of going oh my god it's just brilliant it, what i love is it's the it's the level of creativity that you know like memes come out literally seconds after something happens yeah and now the level of creativity that that occurs around this just to get a laugh is is something quite <laughs> astonishing and can the teachers because when you're in class you can obviously see who's on the phone you can see who's talking to each other yeah. did they have, have they got can they see the whole class at once or is it the case of they're teaching to a computer and there's only three people they can see on screen as the no, 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 they can see they can see everyone on screen but the great thing is if someone's being disruptive you just mute them like that's i wish you could just do that in a normal classroom yeah like, uh, but it's weird because they um they there's certain lessons and i think mm-hmm. this is this is kind of like a game changer there's certain lessons that you just think well why are you doing those online like for example um french PE. you're like well oh french <laughs> french and you're like what is the point of having this lesson wouldn't it just be cheaper to just pay like eight quid and speak to a french person an actual french person for an hour one-to-one rather than speak to an english person who barely knows any french but is teaching french so a bunch of kids that oh. aren't interested in French. I've so I'm going to go on a tangent here. I've discovered oh. a new hero. What? Who? I don't know how, but I started watching this stand-up comedy in the states. <laughs> okay. It's, ab- it's about this guy who um, doesn't know how to speak Russian. Have you seen it? No. It's called Bert Kreischer. Although I may have mispronounced that. And his stand-up routine is called The Machine. Right. And it starts off with he, at high school, was he needed to take a language. And he goes into to learn Spanish. And it takes him three lessons to realise that he's not in the Spanish class. He's in the Russian class. <laughs> you get the sense of this guy he's not someone who really threw himself into his his schoolwork so 
he's going to leave and the teacher needs as many pupils in there as possible because there are so few people learning Russian. So the teacher said to him, look, if you stay, I'll give you a, I can't remember the term he used, but it's something that it's not a pass. It's an American, it's a term that would make sense in America for like a, a reasonable grade, but I'll give you this. Um, and he's like, all right, sweet. So he spent the rest of his time at high school taking this lesson, knowing he didn't have to learn anything. So he didn't learn anything. So he goes to he goes to university and they I can't remember why, but they then he he has to take Russian while he's there as one of his minors. And so he then goes to he goes to this class and after about half a year it's uh he he's his his teacher comes around and says look you if you go you need to go on this russian trip we need numbers it's like you know you know i can't speak russian she's like how do you not realize that i don't how do you not realize that i i I know you don't speak russian and the guy that explains if you think it's bad taking a test that you don't know the answers for a test where you don't even understand the alphabet and you have to melt make up (laughs) (laughs) you have to make up these little drawings for your answers so she says if you get a if you go on this uh trip i'll give you a um and it's not the it's the equivalent of a 2-1 or a 2-2 and i can't remember the american scheme again so he then goes this russian trip and all he knows is um how to say I'm the machine. And he then, they have a mafia tour because it's, it's such a dangerous place at this time that they had to have mafia um, protection. So he then ends up meeting the mafia and all he can say is I'm the machine. And they think he's a legend for this. And then that's when the story begins. So that's all I'm going to say so far. So do bad is you've got to listen to this guy called Bert Kreischer, the machine on YouTube daily listen to it my new hero i realize i've not given you the punchline there's so much more to come but my new hero essentially <laughs> sorry <laughs> i don't know why i went down this avenue but let's, I, let's... i've been watching I've, I've been watching uh i've, I've got a, a new hero as yeah. well um i've been watching on youtube have you heard of a guy called bo miles i don't think so okay so He's a filmmaker um, and he does um, like uh, various like endurance um, things. He's got a beard. They all, everyone's got a bloody beard these days. Um, Australian guy. But he does some, he does some quite interesting, um, uh, quite interesting challenges. And one of the so he did, did this thing called Trials of Miles and he ran uh, um, 650 kilometers along what they call the Australian Alps, which is like a trail. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's quite good and everything. And it did another one we uh, called Run the Line, where he basically there was a disused um, <laughs> railway line. I sent he... you this. Did you send it? Send it to me. <laughs> oh, was that his name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you send that to me? B A B E A U Bo. I think yeah. B O. The, the one where he runs a mile a day. No, he runs. He runs yeah, a marathon mile in an hour. hour. A mile an hour. Yeah. yeah. That's the one you've seen, is it? Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I was so up for doing that. And that was just as lockdown happened. Um, so are you, are you going to do it? Yeah, I think I am. 
um, as soon as soon as lockdown finishes, I think I'm going to do it because I I just love the idea of of checking all that stuff off the list. The stuff that he achieved was kind of insane. Uh, <laughs> He's got skills. We do not. I built a boat and a table and I cooked all this food. And I'm like, mm, I just uh, maybe I'll finish three blogs or something like that. I don't Please know. Explain the full concept. For, for so, the, the, so the full concept of this is, is brilliant. So what you do is you basically run a marathon in 24 hours. Um, but the whole idea is that you run one mile an hour. And in the, um, uh, the time in between finishing it and starting the next one, you tick off stuff on your to-do list. So you start off in the first, I think the first hour. This, you run... this is big stuff, isn't it? It's not just finish oh, my, yeah. check my emails. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's big. It's, it's stuff that you've all, that you've been wanting to do for ages that you've got, you know, the things that you're getting bugged about by your partner for, for not getting done or, or things that you always said you were going to do. So it, it, it's, it's a hefty list of stuff. Um, and so what you do is you, in the first hour, you run three miles. And then every hour on the hour after that, you run a mile. And while he was doing this, he was like um, planting trees, um, uh, fixing fences. He uh, built, built a table. Built a table that he'd been meaning to build for ages. Um, he makes, I don't know what his actual job is. I think he makes oars or something, doesn't he? Like, mm. it's just, and, and for, for boats and everything. Um, and yeah, and then or picks up rubbish, um, you know, does painting and stuff. He just he, he crossed off this massive list of stuff that he wanted to do, and he came, and as he was running, he also added stuff to the list as well. And but it, and I think it's just for that hour as well, isn't it? You couldn't say I'm gonna fix up the car and and spend 14 hours on it. You'd have to do like one thing that could be done approximately yeah, yeah. in that time. Yeah, because ideally, I mean, you can come back to stuff, but ideally, it was lots of little jobs. Um, but because you'd just run, you were kind of like a bit focused, you're a bit more focused. Um, you'd be thinking about it on the run, what you had to do next as well. So you kind of could launch straight into mm. it. Um, but also then- if you think when you're at home, say you, you're on a Saturday afternoon and you're going to do an odd job, you don't approach that job with the speed of running a mile. No. And that's the thing. He comes in running and then he just picks up the stuff and he just <laughs> carries on. As if he's, you know, with that same vigor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's momentum, isn't it? That's what it's gets momentum, you it. yeah. it's, it's that momentum of having done it. You just Because you, you're kind of in that, like, boom. It's not as if he's, like, run, like, 10 miles and he's got back and he's slightly exhausted and he's sort of flopping around. He's run one mile. Um, <laughs> and he's eating as well. He's eating during the day and drinking. It gets funny where he gets to, like, at night and he has to, uh, you know, sleep for, like, 20 or 30 minutes at a time and then get up and run again. Uh, but yeah, I, it was. I, it's just a really interesting concept. I think it's great. I th- I'm, I'm well up for trying that. And the, the interest and the strange thing is that he achieves so much. Which if he didn't run at all and decided that day he was going to do odd jobs, he'd have probably got about twenty percent of it done. Yeah. Just because yeah, that's the way we are as humans. We're just not focused and task orientated and <laughs> constantly just pounding through stuff. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Those, those, it's videos. I, at first, I thought, oh, this is a bit bloody folksy. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's got a beard. It's a bit folksy. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a, it's, you know, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But then after a while, I just we we sat there and I sat there with Libby watching, uh, watching a few of. There's a few kayaking things that didn't watch, mm-hmm. and some cycling, but I didn't watch any of those. But yeah, like the run the line one that you sent me. Mm. Great. I mean, that is so. Look, it's trains. 
and running that literally like you know combine those two things and that's that's brilliant the great thing about that is the amount of people's uh, the amount of trespassing he did as part of that uh, <laughs> and then when he sees that and when he sees the police he just goes oh i'm just running the line and they go oh, all right mate and that's it <laughs> That's exactly how I imagine Australian police to be. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's, oh. Watch out for the dingers. Oh, makes, it makes sense. Oh, <laughs> right. And then, it just came, and then it disappears off into someone else's garden while the police are still there. <laughs> oh, it's all right. The thing is, I, if you're dressed as a runner, like a proper runner with shitty kit, yeah. not you know, someone who looks like they're really doing something long um i I just think it's almost a a, an ex like people won't question you because you look as if you've got real awareness of exactly what you're doing and dressed to be doing something that they couldn't begin to comprehend so they just kind of think yeah he's probably doing running stuff yeah he knows what he's doing yeah okay yeah i mean runners don't steal stuff so we'll be all right yeah but he wasn't so, dressed like that, was he? I thought he was. No, he was dressed as a 1950s train driver and he was carrying a spade. That's, <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So just robbing fancy dress is the, is the lesson. So, so that's probably what, what worried people when they saw this guy with a spade dressed as a 1950s train driver running down the bottom of their garden and then jumping over their fence. So it was probably... <laughs> now, I've, um, I've got some big news for you. Ooh. And this is this is proper do better news. Ooh. And if you're if you're new to the podcast, this is the this is the element of the podcast where we've probably so far lost you a little bit from the running side of things. But this is actually the the meat of our pie. Following on from what was one of the greatest '90s reggae revivals of all time, can you remember what that was? Oh, um, uh, Shaggy and uh, Sting. Yeah. So, not only did they cool. Sting comes out, wins a Grammy. How do you back that up? So. Oh come on! You're tell me Pato and someone else is uh, uh, collaborating. Sting has remixed or re that uh, a, a new version of "Message in a Bottle" with All Saints. What? Yeah. With all Just saints. let that sink in. All Saints. All Saints. <laughs> and see, I, I, I don't even know how I feel about. It. I, I was going to say it's not bad. It's 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 nineties reggae standard. Is it? Yeah. Have you heard it? You've listened to it? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you better believe it did. What do All Saints sound um, like? Do All Saints still have that All Saints sound about them? Um, not with Sting, no. No. Uh, especially as they were trying to reggae it up a little bit. You know, I was, I was, a, I was a big fan. I wouldn't, I've just... never put All Saints with reggae, to be honest. It's, that's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> They're too cool for reggae. Or they were. And you know, that's a great thing about this song. It, there's just so many emotions involved. <laughs> curiosity like disappointment by your grand with a fish or something you just don't know how to comprehend it 
Why? I just don't understand. Do they? Is um, is Sting got like one of those spinny things where they basically put artists from like the nineties around around the edge of it, and he just spins it, and he goes, "Okay, <laughs> I'm going to do a collaboration with." Yeah, it's got, got a red nineties eight ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I love is, the, but everyone, but everyone is. There's some reason he's got shit on everyone. Everyone is because most people go fuck off Sting, but he, he must have shit on people. They must be like, oh god, if Sting gives you the call, you've got to say yes. You've got to say yes because, like, it'll be the end of the world if we're going. Has Has Sting had tantric sex with Shazday? Do you think is that is that what we're talking? Um, maybe. Remember all that. Remember when he had tantric sex. I mean, I don't remember it. He was ridiculed, wasn't he, for such a long time? He was, and it's it's reaping rewards now. Is but sex um, just celibacy? Um, I thought you were doing it together. I don't know. I don't. I don't think tantric. I thought tantric sex means there's no touching. Oh, I'm doing. It I wrong. mean, I don't, I'm not an expert, and I'm not even going to bother looking up on Google while we're talking. But I thought that's what it. <laughs> I thought that was the. That was the. That was the bit about it. Like, Interestingly, not... I had very similar content up on my computer already, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Ready to go. More, more Melanie Blatt or Nicole? Is it Nicole Appleton? No, Natalie. Natalie was an. Uh, Natalie, yeah. yeah. Well, there were two Appletons, weren't there? N- Nicole and Natalie. And Natalie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but who was your favourite All Saints? Definitely Natalie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got I've got three words for you. This was I was tipped off by Bruno to this. Saints last two words are beer mile. First word, blind. <laughs> um, it just. Does this involve drinking Domestos instead of beer? Is that... <laughs> you start off seeing. Is, 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 blind, yeah. is blind the outcome rather than the process? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, uh, Bruno... everyone has a different liquid that they've got to drink on it. <laughs> now, this is worth watching. So do bad. We're giving you a lot of content, given that actually you're sat around at home, probably listening to this not on your long run. Unlike your normal, but this one is worth watching. So this is actually um, from a while back, I think. It's back from 20... Oh, no, maybe this this year. He has a guide runner. The gentleman is called um, Chaz Davis, and he runs a 6.33 to win the... Uh, what? Yeah, to win the one of the flow track beer miles. So he's got a guy running with him. But it's it's great to watch because he's clearly a very talented runner. So he, he's running the the Paralympics. Off the top of my head, I think he can run about a 2.30 marathon. I'm not 100% sure about that, but he starts the the first leg at the back of the field and he's got his guide runner with him. And so he's having to run right round everyone, but also the course. For some reason, it's not a, a perfect circle. It's actually got these really weird turns in it. And so he eventually gets out to the front at the end of the first leg, just about. 
so he's running fairly free by the end but by the very last beer so firstly these tight turns mean he has to keep on colliding into people because the runner's saying no left left and he he then has to turn sharply but by the final beer the guide's not quick enough at drinking or running so he's having to shout ahead to this guy (laughs) blind drunk with these really weird turns as he's absolutely legging instructions to because he can't keep up with him and so he's having to he's having to be like left left right right but i I don't know how well they actually discuss i don't it's not the same as being a rally car where it's like right three right seven at different angles of right it's just left to right and so he he is swerving massively paranoid so um it's called Blind Runner Wins Beer Mouth from April the 4th, 2020. Don't know when they actually raced it. Bruno, you legend. Thank you for that. What, what, a, tr- what a treat. What a treat. But, um, well, from Blind Beer Miles to... I don't know who we're we doing. Who are we introing? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Let's have a look at our list. So, do Bellas, we've been busy during this time, um, and we've got about seven interviews in the can. <laughs> so, we've no idea who we're introducing next. I think we were going to say, from someone who said yes to drinking beer, to someone who says yes to everything, Dave Cornthwaite. Actually, before normally we just in, we just do a little intro with the person. I'm going to do a bit of a, a, a just an extra intro before my proper intro when Dave was there. Jody couldn't make this one, uh, but Dave's not really a runner per se. He's an adventurer. And this next conversation, we we talk more about, there's some challenges in there. For example, he has, um, he's paddleboarded the the Mississippi. He's um, He's done various, He's, he's swam this amazing swims. And so he's, he's a bit of a Sean Conway uh, character in a way. But actually, this conversation is so different to our normal podcast. But st- stick with it. I, th- I think you I mean, I think you would anyway. And you'll, I think you'll love it from start to finish because it's, it's all really interesting. But at times we, we go into very different areas than we'd normally do in the podcast because he's talking more about um, it's, it's almost going into analysis of, of self and um, you know what's holding us back but without being a cheesy life coach so um, hopefully that gives you a tiny bit of of context you're going to love this I just absolutely love this interview so uh, Nick take it away so do better this one's a little bit different to our, our typical guest just in that I haven't specifically got Dave on to talk about running but I've been wanting to talk to Dave for a while, and we've mentioned Yes Tribe and Dave a little bit in previous episodes, uh, in, you know, glancing conversations on the podcast. Basically, I, I, the reason I wanted to get him on is, is partly because I think it's so fascinating and interesting what he's doing. It's such a good a force for good. Um, but also, a lot of what we go through as as runners, some of our guests, and also um, some of us individually, when we take on these big challenges, is you always have to step away from your your nine to five life and, and remove yourself from the office to either be able to enable yourself to have time to go and do these massive challenges or for some people I know they really want to do a step change in their life to actually be able to 
um, almost remove themselves from the grind of the office. And that's exactly what Dave has essentially set himself up doing and enabling others. So here to talk about that in further detail, please welcome to the podcast, Dave Cornthwaite. Way! Way! <laughs> Thanks for Hi, having babe. me. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good, feeling feeling fit and healthy, and uh, good to chat to you. Well, so, it's for, so for the listener, we are mid Corona, so we're still in lockdown. In case you listen to this in a year's time or so, um, mm. why don't you explain to everyone where you currently are, Dave? Yeah, so my wife Ems and I have found ourselves locked down on a double-decker bus in the Sussex countryside, which uh, is usually a community-based camp for, for folks just to get out of the city and heal their withered minds and uh, and conjure up new new magical adventures and ideas. So uh, we're lucky enough just to be here, the two of us, uh, which is a really rare occurrence. And we've spent the last few weeks, you know, in a two-acre plot, doing all the jobs that we never usually have time for. It's, it's really quite nice. No, I don't know if you know this, but JD, he sadly can't be on the podcast currently, my co-presenter. We actually met um, during the marathon that your lovely wife organised, the Sierra Leone Marathon. Really? That's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's partly down to, to Evans that we have this podcast. I mean, to be fair, I blame her for everything. So, <laughs> so, so if, we, if we take it back to when... When did uh, Yes Try begin and, and, and like how did that come about and why did that come about? Um, God, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll try and condense it into a, a short answer so you could choose where to dig. Uh, but basically back in 2005, I, I found myself just doing a job that was sucking my soul. I was never going to be built for the office or having a boss. What uh, was I, the job? I was a, I was a self-taught graphic designer and then someone decided to pay me for it, which was, you know, you know, more fool them. Uh, but after 18 months, I just realized that, you know, wait, I think when you get to the end of a day and you realize that if you hadn't done any of that work, the world would be a better place. <laughs> and, and then that goes on and on for weeks and months and then years. Uh, you know, something needs to change. So I... Who were you designing graphics for? Was it the BMP or someone? Or... <laughs> no, not really. It was... Uh, I went to university in Swansea and then ended up staying in Swansea, as, as many Swansea University students do. It's right by the beach, low cost of living in Wales. Mm. And, yeah, an advertising agency uh, wanted me to design student newspapers for them. So, you know, it's just kind of all practice journalism about really small topics that no one really cares about, except for the people writing about them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I felt I always felt like I could do a little bit more with my life. I didn't know really what that meant, but it got to a stage where I, I just decided that I needed to be a little bit more positive, say yes more, which became a personal motto. And then I, I ended up doing all kinds of long distance adventures. I, I quit my job two weeks after trying a skateboard for the first time. And uh, I decided the day that I quit the job, two weeks into my skating career, that I was going to try and break the world distance record on a skateboard. <laughs> so I, uh, and, and that that kind of began a new, definitely a new fork in the road, uh, which which I continue to run or skate or paddle down. And, uh, and what was the record at that time? Yeah, I think it's a really good, good point, David. So if you ever decide that you want to break a world record, definitely find out what the world record was first, because the three thousand it was three thousand miles at the time. And I I'd never done any endurance stuff. It was a really bizarre decision because I wasn't I wasn't 
like programmed that way or I certainly you know there was nothing pointing towards going on a big adventure and then I just thought you know two weeks of skating around a town I was really familiar with it changed my perspective on this world and and myself I guess uh, and I just thought wow two weeks in a familiar place what if I skated a long long way basically somewhere I'd never been uh, that I felt that the experiences I'd have on that and and all of that stuff that comes with you know going for a, a big difficult challenge giving yourself a bit of an identity uh fit and healthy outdoors all the time meeting lots of people achieving something i suppose uh i just figured it would it would send me down a more interesting path at the very least that that didn't want that didn't mean like 10 hours a day by watching watching playstation <laughs> to be honest, I, I know that that was just the kind of starting point into why you're on this yes try but I'm pretty happy to spend the next half an hour just talking about the skateboard challenge because it sounds incredible. Like I, I've, I've definitely have something in my head that I don't think was you, but reading about someone who had to skateboard, who was, was didn't have to, but decided to skateboard across Australia and mm. the issues they had with one leg always being the pusher and the different shoes. And was that yeah. you or was, was that someone else? Yeah, that, that was very likely me considering I'm the only person to have done it. Uh, and wow. you know, I think I didn't know yeah, that was yeah. you. That's so cool. Mate, for for sure. I mean, it's a really big place, and I only I only kind of realised when I was skating across it. You know, I skated for five months to get from west coast to east coast, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I now and then get an email from someone saying, "Oh, I heard about your trip. I'd really like to go and do this." And you know, I'm I'm always I'm always super happy to to answer any questions or give give people a nudge because i you know it's quite a, a lucky even even if you I, I don't know i just think i'm quite privileged to to be able to think about something as frivolous as skateboarding across australia and uh yeah but still no one you know and i'm not really surprised because it was blood it was it's a, it's a stupid thing to do you're sharing you're sharing your life with lots of big trucks and you know you could fall at any moment going quite fast down a hill and none of that's very pleasant and i think sometimes the hardships of of a difficult challenge like this like a physically and mentally difficult challenge uh quickly override all the all the wonderful pleasures and benefits that come from a big adventure and i think usually people get caught out by the hard stuff um in the early days and then quit so that's happened i think three or four times to other folks so i'm pretty sure that I'm still the only person to have done it. And yeah, my right calf, thanks for asking. My right calf is still massive. Is uh, it actually still different? Yeah, I finished that trip in January 2007. And we're, what, we're speaking now in mid-April 2020. And uh, my right calf is still noticeably bigger than my left. It's a good part wow. of it. Wow. <laughs> does, that, does that present problems in other sports or even like walking <laughs> in a straight line and things? And uh, yeah, oh man, if I had a pound for every time someone asked me about walking the straight line, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't Sorry. be living on a double I'm not bus right I'm now, not... I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it didn't. I, you would have, you would have thought it would have, you know, really twisted my body up. Um, the simple reason that I did it, I was a rookie skateboarder and I, I wasn't comfortable balancing, balancing on my right foot the whole time. So I ended up just balancing on my strong leg, the left, and then pushing with the right, and. Uh, it just i just turned into a duracell bunny um i 
I guess it kind of built up one side of my back a little bit more. But I, I went to Brisbane University straight after the challenge. They invited me in to do uh, scans on on my bone density and the density of the of, of my heel bone in my left foot, which is the board that was, I was the the foot that I was stood on. Uh, balancing on for these five months was one of the densest human bones that they'd ever seen <laughs> isn't that wicked <laughs> and that's amazing oh, wow have you got any um I don't, they, not x-rays but the equivalent of those that you've got framed or anything that just show the differences or because you're almost a, a freak of nature at that stage because no one's sure. ever prepared their body in that way i wouldn't have thought well, look, ha- having having gone, you know, through childhood as a ginger, uh, I was called a freak of nature every single day of my life. So finally, I had reason to believe that they were all right. Uh, <laughs> I I've been pretty nomadic in my adult life, and so I, I I don't kind of cart around certificates or or frame photos or anything like that. But I'm and I I guess digital life only really kicked in 15 years ago. So I um. I'm sure I could dig some some out. They're definitely there in a folder. All the all the media scraps that my mum kept somewhere. <laughs> um, and did you have someone who was crewing you, or were you having to mm. like, tow something, or or have a big bag? No. So I this was my first big trip, like I said, and I hadn't, you know, I just I just started from the beginning, and I I, I was thinking about why I wanted to do this, what I wanted to get out of it, and on and on and on. And one thing happened pretty fast. I decided that you know it seemed clear that people would take an interest in it for whatever reason. So I wanted to translate that interest into raising some money for charity. So I, I found three kids charities. And then I, then I thought I'm going to be skating like 40, 50, sometimes a hundred miles a day. I'm going to be too tired just to do justice to this fundraising effort. So I managed to convince seven people to quit their jobs and, or, or take a sabbatical and then follow me like driving at 10 kilometers an hour for five months behind a skateboard seven people yeah yeah seven people so we actually had three vans there was a there was a documentary crew a photographer uh two a three-person fundraising team and then my mate danny who was who was you know driving the whole time and uh yeah it turned out to be a massive circus like i guess i guess the original idea i just wanted to be free and then ended up just building this enormous project called board free and we had 18 million people hit hit the website in eight months. It was ridiculous. That's incredible. And um, and so you 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 can run. I guess it's twice as quick as running, is it, or 50 percent more than running? Um, I guess it depends on the surface. But on average, man, I have to dig into these stats now. Uh, many many journeys ago, uh, I was I was averaging kind of like 15 miles an hour on half decent road uh so you know you can go pretty fast mm. and then obviously a little bit slower uphill and then i you know it's ridiculous thinking about it now because i haven't been on a long board for years uh not properly and you know every single day i'd be flying down a hill at 35 miles an hour plus and just be super comfortable it was wow. a, it was a brilliant weird way to live for a few months yeah and and what was the come down like after that massive it was it was huge you know it's i think it's the one thing you don't you don't fully acknowledge when you when you set out to do something new and i think the same thing happens when whatever you're focused on for a long period of time it could be a project at work uh you know it could could be you know a mother gestating a baby um but 
after a big adventure, I think it's natural having experienced, you know, a daily kaleidoscope of color and new challenges. And uh, you just your body gets used used hormonally, chemically to to a certain way of living, getting up early, you know, on the move for a, a long period of time, you know, eating in a certain way you know exposure to sunlight all of this stuff and when you when you finish you probably go back to normal life and everything feels a bit gray so yeah i think it took me about nine months to recover mentally which and i I got a book deal from that trip and i wrote it within those nine months i started writing like a month after i finished so it's not you know when you've got post-expedition depression it's not a good time to write a book (laughs) and and did you think was, was did you have a plan before and during that trip of, of what life was going to look like or, or was it for you a break and then back to some type of typical job no I my my only hope was that I'd never end up doing a, a day job I guess that I hated I just I just wanted to be happy uh, rather than depressed and a no guy so I had no plan whatsoever I just thought you know I'm just going to let this I'm going to let this fly and I'm just going to wing it. And I, yeah, I hope that the lessons and the way of life that I learned on, on the skateboard would, would show me the way afterwards. And I guess, you know, it took, it took a while for things to, to settle and to feel like I had a direction and actually an identity, but uh, yeah, it certainly set me on the way, but no, I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I just had to kind of figure stuff out as I went. And and do you just out of interest with your you were saying that you know it's causing you to to be depressed your job, is that because you hated that job so much, or is it because you you specifically feel you're not made for kind of office in office environment, or do you think you've got a, a low tolerance for um f- for work that's not satisfying? Um, <clears throat> a big a, a combination of those plus more. So I think I. I, I I don't like being told what to do. Uh, I'd only ever been told that, you know, you go through education and you end up getting a job afterwards. And it just felt like that was what life was supposed to be. And after 18 months, I was like, to hell with this. You know, I, this is horrible. Uh, I, I have a really addictive personality and that translated itself. Uh, it definitely could be worse, but I just, I played PlayStation 10 hours a day solid for a, my first five years of my 20s. Um, and I think after every long gaming session, you just. Was it Tony like, Hawks out of interest? <laughs> no, nothing to do with skateboarding. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. you probably played that game completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I massively judged my former self. Um, yeah, I just, I just felt like I was wasting wasting my potential I guess this is where everything started to lead so I thought you know if you do the same thing day in day out day in day out even if you've got a level of satisfaction from it you're never going to work out who you could be or what you could achieve if you just crack on doing the same thing day in day out every time you do something new you learn every time you go somewhere new you have a different perspective every time you have a different conversation it teaches you something and I, I wanted to be, I was, I was always really curious and I, and I wanted to learn all the time. I wanted to figure out who I could, who I could be. So I, I guess the skateboard idea was the, the first step towards what has continued to be for, you know, 15 years on, I'm still living a really curious, 
uh, nomadic life um not really planning too far ahead just that sounds like a good idea that gives me like a bunch of nice feelings in my belly or makes me chuckle and that's that's enough of a of an indicator to pursue an idea and, and just out of interest to um i guess to give a bit of perspective for people at home if they're thinking about themselves um have you at that time did you feel like you had so for example if i were to you know it's not like i've got a full-time job with caffeine bullet but Mm. i know that worse comes to worse i could always move back in with my parents or i Mm. could always did you feel like you had a safety net at that time um and and do you think that was important or have you it was it was it a complete leap of faith it was a massive leap of faith i think um it's it's so much easier to jump when you have a safety net but i think you get less out of it if you depend on on that on that soft landing or that that uh, you know availability of a soft landing uh for me i like for the first three years after the skateboarding trip the only the only monetizing skill that i had was to design design stuff even if it was badly i knew that i could get paid for it so but every time i bounced back into that that was my financial safety net i spent three weeks designing a website um, which basically means you're designing a website for somebody who doesn't know how to design a website. Uh, and that that means you're dealing with an idiot, basically, in terms of that skill. And it's mm. and it's, it's so demoralizing. And uh, it killed me. It didn't just kill my motivation, but it killed my soul, not just for those the three weeks when I was doing the website, but uh, for the three weeks afterwards as well. I was just I just felt helpless. But so slowly I just weaned myself off that and made myself promise I'd never I'd I'd never take work or do work that that wasn't sending me somewhere new Uh, and the the key here is is often financial isn't it so it's Mm. not what you it's not what you earn it's what you don't spend so it was you know this this is a a really a really silly example or uh an extreme example of trying to find a new path i i i didn't want to go and you know spend nights weeks months in my parents house or friends houses spare room sofas i just felt like i was i was a nuisance uh, which i would have been uh, so i ended up spending for for four years i earned less than four thousand uh, pounds a year and i i spent over 100 nights each one of those years sleeping in london's parks just kind of wild camping i i'd never consider myself homeless it was just a choice i didn't pay rent for 8 years and that's where most of our money goes so it was uncomfortable and i was pretty smelly i used to wake up in my bivy bag or in my hammock kind of slung up in a tree in hyde park and then go and wash in the serpentine and then go to a school and tell stories to kids about uh you know about skateboarding and I, I figured that if I kind of learned how to tell these stories, then I'd make a living from that somewhere down the line. I think if you do anything enough, writing, filmmaking, speaking on stage, whatever it might be, at some point you're going to be good enough to get paid. And and that was, I guess that was where it was all heading. Um, it, it wasn't overly comfortable along the way, but I just hope that the head teacher didn't smell me having wild camp the night before going into the school. <laughs> and what was that first night of wild camping? Was it an active, de- a positive decision to try, hey, I'm going to see what it's like to sleep in the park? Or was it something that was forced mm. upon you? Mm, I, I'd never say forced, but circumstance just kind of suggested it would be the right thing. And by then I'd, you know, I'd skated four and a half thousand miles and camping out wasn't a big deal. So it kind of 
you know, and I loved find I, it was I loved finding wild camping spots when I was on on my first skating trip. And I just thought when I got to London, I just, you know, I'd spend a bunch of time in parks and just think, oh, I could see that I could sleep there. No one would find me. And why would I choose to spend, you know, one and a half grand rent a month when I could just do it for free and and spend Were you there in the winter as well? Uh, no, usually during the colder months, uh, I'd I'd go off and do another trip. Uh, and it's always, you know, it's always cheaper to you know, paddleboard down the Mississippi than it is to rent in London for the same period of time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, then there's more stories and more more newness, new, you know, ability uh, stories to tell and uh, practice getting the social media thing together, which I still don't really understand. And all of this stuff, it all seemed to every choice I made contributed to to not necessarily where I w- wanted to be going, but who I wanted to be so with um I'm going back to this this wild wild sleeping in London yeah. parks <laughs> so talk, talk me through it you you enter a park mm. what what are you looking for that you, for you means this is a good location and what do you then do to to sleep there for the night yeah uh, it's, it's kind of simple so uh, everything I owned for you know half a decade after the skateboarding trip was in one rucksack uh, so I and I had I had my uh, bivy bag, a sleeping bag, uh, a little pillow. Uh, I always go while camping with a pillow. What's the point in being uncomfortable? And and a hammock as well. So you just kind of make a choice depending on the surroundings. And there's you know if you walk through Hyde Park, there's there's so many flower beds which are kind of a foot or two high, and just kind of tucking in behind them between the park wall and 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 at the hedge or the flower bed. No one's ever going to look for you. The beauty of wild camping is you always settle down just before just before sundown. And then you get up just as the sun's getting up. And in that meantime, no one's going to be looking for you because no one's ever been there. You know, why would why would someone be sleeping, sleeping in that in that flower bed? Uh, And I I took so much, so much uh, glee from it. You know, it was always lovely, joyful, almost waking up every morning just thinking oh wicked you know another night outside you know feeling really good it's always nice to be kind of in touch with nature and then you know I was I was happy that I hadn't really spent money that I didn't need to because I didn't have a great deal and yeah that that was it it just I, I guess it just I love this the simplicity of going going on an adventure and I took as many of those those ideals as I could even when I was back home back in the UK back in London and, and do you think you've had to work at that outlook because that you know the, the fact the way you're describing it, it is it could be described with the complete opposite review by uh, uh, yeah view of someone who was less happy who was there thinking oh god it's cold I'm waking up again sure. in the middle of a park without like, is, <laughs> have you have you have you had to work to see that as a positive or was that just in your nature it didn't it didn't used to be in my nature but i i think i i made a call when i when i turned 25 around around about the same time that i decided to quit my job and go skateboard and 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 then subsequently after that just just do what we've been talking about and i you know attitude is everything it doesn't matter whether you're at work it doesn't matter whether you're with your family at christmas it doesn't matter whether you're in the middle of you know a lockdown because of coronavirus you can look at everything in two 
two extremely polarized ways and that's that's ultimately a choice uh, i think you know we we all have have different levels of of coping mechanism and we're all brought up in different ways so not everyone deals with every situation or has those e- equal choices positive or negative uh, in any any given moment but i i i i liked the idea of working out where I could be and making a living doing something I, I really loved and at least I kind of felt was interesting to me like I just wanted to interest myself as opposed to come home and think well done mate you've you know you've just wasted another day uh you know I I remember used to walking around Swansea town and, and meeting meeting some some older folk who were so miserable and they were 70 and still working uh and they hated it you know they were just i I always ask you know how how are you doing you know is life good are you happy and they'd be like nah you know life's about working hard and then you die and i just thought i don't mind the working hard bit as long as it feels useful uh so i yeah i think as time went on it took me maybe three years to stop being jealous of people walking out of canary wharf in their suits with their pockets full of money you know, I really missed or I missed the idea of having money. I'd never really had it. But uh, after a while, I just thought like now there's there's just no way I still don't earn a great deal. But um, it's it's more than enough to get by now. Uh, and there's no way if you offered me a million pounds to go and work in an office, I, I wouldn't do it. Not for six months. And back then, is there a social stigma? Like, would you tell people about how you were living and. Or, or were you fairly hmm. well were it res- reserved with coming forthcoming with that information? Because I, I think a lot of people aren't prepared to hear that someone who seems normal is sleeping in the street. Yeah, I, I didn't really talk about it much for the first few years. I was embarrassed, I guess. Well, I felt like I should be embarrassed. I look back at it now, and I'm like, mate, you, you know, I had to do that. And I'm I'm really conscious, like uh, talking about this stuff. I I'm not I'm not in the game of trying to convince people that they shouldn't have an office job. This was totally my decision. I had to. I just it just didn't work for me, and and I and I didn't really know any other way to to go where I thought I wanted to be going. So that's why I made these decisions. Um, and yeah, at the time I i was still working it out so i i only really talk about something if i'm certain of it uh and back then i wasn't certain that i was doing the right thing it just kind of felt right um yeah and at the same time nobody else really understood like why would you go and skateboard across australia i hadn't kind of found my tribe my community you know and uh and slowly bit by bit as i i I think people start to accept you when you make money doing the thing that you're really good at uh and slowly i was i started after a few years i was you know i'd written a couple of books and they did well and and then you know i was i was speaking professionally and making films and on all this stuff and then suddenly it was like oh you've got the dream job and i was like yeah still sleeping (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and um yeah so we actually i guess we missed that jump from your own swansea you went um skateboarding and then you were you were in the next in london was that your transition back and like and you're talking also about 
um, your friends and things like who who were your friends like what how were they reacting to you at this time and like i've got so many questions you know like char- charging phones or you yeah. know how how were you actually working and and what in your spare time for me i find if i'm going to meet someone they're an hour late an hour in an open space in london is is quite tricky but if that's what you're doing essentially with all of your time like how there's a lot of questions there hit hit me with it <laughs> yeah well you know, I I spent a lot of my time working. You know, I had I had a laptop, and that was my that was my office. It has been ever since. You know, whether I was working on a book or writing a blog or trying to convince someone to send me some dry bags because I wanted to go and swim down a river. You know, I, I was I was I was constantly on my laptop, so I'd sneak it kind of into the back of Costa and be one of those really annoying people uh, who you know didn't didn't buy a coffee but just needed the wi-fi and that that was just that was just life at the same time like my 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 dad was in in the air force so we i my family lived in like 18 different places before i left home and it meant that i got really good at making new friends fast but i was really shit at oh can i say sorry yeah yeah Uh, i i was really bad at um keeping friends you know, especially because there was no social media when I was growing up. And um, that, I, I, I guess that that stuff just sticks with you. And I, I was I was always kind of socializing uh, after, after my skateboarding trip. I was being asked to come and talk about it at, at evening events. And then I'd meet start to meet other like minded people. And they'd be like, where are you living? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't have a place at the moment. Um, but I'm off again next week. And they'd be like, well, we've got a spare room. Come and stay with me. And it just I just kind of winged it like that for for years and years and years. Uh, and it's it, it gets it gets pretty tiring. You know, it after a while going off and doing a, a big trip was was almost like a holiday because I was even though I was changing location every night, I was still in the same tent uh, and it and it felt like home just maybe you know with a different view out off the doorstep whereas every every one or two nights just ch- trying to find another spare bed or going to the park again um yeah it did it it, it it was it was it was quite a wearing time like i i couldn't consider doing that now i'm just well i'm past 40 i'm just tired <laughs> uh, i guess having a, a purpose and a focus like a daily focus and a, mm. really helps as well in the challenges you, you actually are, are striving towards something man for sure like i was i was so committed i i that I, that thrill of coming up with an idea that felt new but also i was just excited about living this or going ahead and living this thing and bringing it to reality you know this little seed of i'm gonna go and skateboard across australia paddleboard down the mississippi and then having to build i love the the process of kind of building a framework you know making it dynamic so there's going to be a website and okay what camera are going to use am i going to make a film about this am i going to write a book what gear do i need to take oh man I can't afford that let's try and get that company to give me it in return for some blogs which then helps my writing I love that whole process it 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 kept me burning it still still does I just can't get tired of turning a a little seed of an idea into reality I just love it and I found my thing in in that and then yeah I guess you know I'd I'd received so much kindness on my trips within 
within a minute I'd, I'd meet a complete stranger and then they'd be inviting me back to their house and and we'd we'd hang out for a, for a day or two and then I'd, I'd carry on down the river or get on my skateboard or my bike or whatever it was and then carry on down the road and when I came back to London which just felt like the natural convening point after most of my trips no no I didn't see that kindness everywhere everyone was just rushing from home to station to work and then back again and and I get it I think when you're when you're vulnerable when you don't actually have a place to stay and you you want to be as comfortable as you can each night so you can sleep well I think it's a pretty natural aim for 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 folk um and I and I still wanted that even though I like sleeping out uh I I missed the ability just to walk up to someone in London like I would in Memphis Tennessee you know next to the Mississippi and say hey you know this is what I'm doing at the moment and um and and just knowing that it would kind of end up in at the very least, you know, a, a dinner with with a, a brand new friend and some cool <laughs> chats. In London, people are like, "Well, you sound fucking weird," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it was a lot. It was a lot harder, and that's that's ultimately where the Yes Tribe came about. I just thought people aren't different, you know. We're all, although you know we we grow up, we've got different backgrounds. I think ultimately, you know, we we want to be good to our neighbours. And and I felt like those kind strangers, those those mirrors, those echoes of the river angels and road angels I'd met on my trips were here in the UK. They were even in the middle of the city. So, yeah, the Yes Tribe came about. Just I was just in search of them. So when was because. Obviously, there's uh, there was yes, say yes more, um, which was was that a book or no yes man that was a book by Danny Wallace that seemed to appear at a similar time. Was it were they based on each other at all, or were they was that a complete coincidence? No, I I I love the I think there's a, there's a film as well with Jim Carrey, isn't there? Mm. But I I on the morning of my twenty fifth birthday, I I decided that say yes more or saying yes more would get me somewhere that I wanted to be, so that was my personal motto. And I I didn't read the Yes Man Danny's book until maybe two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen. Um, so yeah, say yes more was my was my motto, uh, and bastard you know, nicked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not surprised you know I think there's it's such a simple word isn't it you know but mm. y- yes still even even though I'm in the last five years got the yes tribe we have an annual festival called yesterday we've got woodland called the yes woods I'm on a bus called the yes bus on and on and on yes 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 um everyone's got freaking t-shirt with say yes more on it's uh it's kind of it still holds the same joy for me. It's still such an important word, if not the most important word that we we can have as as decent humans. You know, whether it's whether it's offering someone else. Yeah. No, I mean I could go into this, David. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think no is so no is closing a door, isn't it? It's so absolute. Got it. That there's there's nothing after a no. Yeah. Whereas, well, actually, yeah, no is the star of nothing. There you go. Whereas, uh, <laughs> There's a new T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have that one day. So, yeah, uh, when... I, yeah. oh yeah, go ahead. No, I, I'm with you. And and yes is the opposite. Yes is the beginning of something. It puts a smile on people's face when you say yes, I can help. It's, you know, it's the it's the it's the scream you yell when 
when your your team scores a goal or you hit a good shot in tennis you know you don't scream no when you're happy you know and and i i think i just you know it helps you it helps you be a little bit happier in the moment so when did the yes tribe first form so timeline i quit my job end of end of early 2005 skateboarded across australia 2006 into 2007 and then the yes tribe came about june 2015 so i post i posted an event on my facebook page i just decided to i just figured that those kind humans if they were going to be anywhere in the uk they'd be they'd be following my facebook page and there were a couple of thousand at that point following my adventures and I just thought I would just want to meet these people and see if, well, let's see if they're real people rather than just avatars. So I just posted an event, come come camping with me, you know, just on a school night. And then 19 folks rocked up. I think it was June 5th or June 6th, 2015. Yeah, and we took a train out of half an hour, got to know each other around a campfire. And that was the first Yes Tribe camp out. And now we've got, yeah, like 20,000 people in 37 different yes tribe groups around the world now it's kind of weird it's cool and what would you say because there's 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 lots of different elements happening in there so the i guess the the, the angle that I, I thought linked to well with, with part of our listenership was the um i guess the the big adventures that seem people seem to undertake linked to um yes more but there's also the kind of escape the city crossover slightly of mm. you know how to how to break out of the the mold that you're in um what what would you say the actual ethos has become well it's quite widespread as as you're hinting to you know there's definitely an element of of work adventure keeping fit and healthy being just a decent kind human looking after your neighbors uh and f- for me you know yes tribe is exemplified by any one of our events we we have an annual festival called Yesterval, and about 40% of the people who come to each Yesterval is their first ever Yes Tribe event, and they come by themselves. It's it's a community that you you can just rock up at, not knowing anyone, and you'll make friends for life, and you'll be accepted straight away. And I think acceptance, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your line of work, whatever you believe in, uh, it's it's something that's so obviously missing in in many aspects of society and yet we're we're all humans we might look different we might behave a little bit different but you know ultimately we want the same thing we want to be accepted and we want to feel able to to go on and do the things that we want to do so yeah it's just it's just an inclusive accepting environment and being surrounded by people who will say yeah that's that's an awesome idea how can i help you whether it's set up a charity run a marathon or or an iron man skateboard across australia whatever it might be even if it's hey oh you've never wild camped but you'd like to i'll show you how to wild camp for the first time uh yeah i think i i think that's that's the basis of it people who just want to make the most of their time and um have you have any because uh, we have a, a community ourselves that we um lots of people are involved in curating and that's actually the hard thing to do is i mean the yes tribe is now mm. very large and while there might be this central ethos that obviously gets slightly polluted as it goes from mouth to mouth but also 
other elements and other agendas start to get interwoven, sometimes willingly, sometimes forcefully. Have you had any issues with trying to actually keep um, Yes Tribe to be um, a, a, a all positive, or have there been some elements that have become confused in and, and, and difficult to manage? Hmm, really good points. Uh, I mean, it definitely it definitely hasn't been an easy process for me uh, managing this thing. You know, I I ended up after that first epic massive team effort across Australia. I most of my journeys have been solo, uh, so ending up managing a team. Uh, we now have eighty volunteers around the UK alone, uh, running different yes elements of the Yes Tribe. And I'm, it's taken me a long time to become even relatively comfortable with that. But then I think in terms of the general message, I don't, I don't have a, a critical mission statement or anything. I, I guess like that, that winging, winging it experience in, in the early days after my skateboarding trip, I wanted the S drive to be all encompassing and it drove it, the, the early, the early kind of team members, it drove them mad that I didn't. I didn't kind of put a stamp down like this is an adventure community or this is this is about finding work you love or anything like that. I was just like, no, this is this is just let's just see where it goes. Um, but there, there has to be I think the defining thread is the culture that goes through every single event. And and that was set at an early stage. You know, I, I always stand at the gate at our festival and hug everyone as they come in. Um, you know, I'd be at the door uh, every one of our Yes Stories nights in London and just just say hi to everybody. Um, and now it's not always me, but it is someone from the team who does that. And instantly it just sets people at ease. And I think, uh, I think it's that culture that keeps things going, even though you're so right, you know, Chinese whispers, you know, the 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 idea can be polluted as time goes on. So it's 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 largely been positive. And we keep, I always wanted the Yes Tribe Facebook group, which is our kind of our central online hub to be the same feeling as it would if you turn up to an in-person event, whether it was a wild camping trip or the festival, a weekend at the bus. Um, I, I just wanted it to be a place where positivity reigned. And for me, there's, if you want negativity, if you want a, a, a good, unhealthy argument, there's other places on the Internet to go to. Um, but the Yes Tribe just was never going to be that thing. And in in five years or four and a half years of having that group, we've we've had I think there's been three threads that have turned even remotely negative. You know, that's amazing out of tens of thousands of posts. Uh, yeah. And that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I think especially given what's been happening in, in British, but even global politics mm. the last two years, um, a lot of people's views on being good is is actually tied to their politics. And so, mm. you know, I see myself as a good person. Most of the listeners know that I'm, I'm fairly left wing and might have a problem with some views of the right but then some people on the right will think they're actually helping people and, and rightly think this by helping with business and helping actually mm -hmm. the economy thrive has that been hard to actually sometimes for some people it is hard to be positive without actually tying it to their person their political beliefs uh, it's it's a great point and i think we've we've obviously seen it over the last couple of years uh in in the uk because of brexit but 
in 2011 i took my first trip in the in the usa and and i i've spent a lot of time i've done quite a few trips over there and i'm fascinated by 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 american politics uh and people dress up their personal identities around their politics over there and we hadn't really seen it in the uk until brexit came around but i i i still feel really really strongly that there's so much more to a person than their politics uh so we just don't we just don't have any political chat we could you could you, you could tell conversations go sour you could you know people fall out with their family members who they dearly love because they voted in a different way and we've mm. got to just be more grown up than that you know you can you can have your political beliefs but actually there's so much there's there's more important stuff than than politics it it, it has it has a massive effect on on the lower class um and the vulnerable and and that's that is hugely important i'm not saying politics isn't important but i'm saying there's more to our individual characters than what we believe in politically the party that we we we're going to align with um and no party is ever going to tow exactly the same line through generations uh so we just don't have politics on the yes tribe there's no political post there's not even any fundraising there's no talk of of money there's no promotion it's just discussion um and oh, really and so, yeah so people can't ask for kind of a financial assistance if they're no. undertaking ah interesting no, we, we so yeah i just wanted to take all of these elements that that some people would judge and some people wouldn't or it would just get out of control uh out of the equation i just wanted people to be people it doesn't matter whether you voted for brexit or you didn't vote for brexit it doesn't matter if you you know if you love a bit of trump or you just think that he's the worst thing since vegemite you know it, it you just we you don't know about that it's got nothing to do with whether you want to go on a trip or you want to learn a new skill or you've just you know taught your daughter to do a somersault uh there's so much more to people than than that stuff so yeah we have nothing to do with money no promotion uh even if you're fundraising for a brilliant cause there's nothing on there because i don't want people to turn up on the s tribe and feel like they have to give some money i want them to just be there nice and comfortable and and chat about something that makes him makes him grin i guess as well that a huge percentage because this is a problem in running groups as well is that you know a huge number of people are fundraising for very similar things you got it it would just be a fundraising page <laughs> yeah exactly so it is and, and it is very important to them and very personal to them and you know it, it is very important but as as you as you know um if everyone's allowed to do it when unlike the population where one in a hundred is fundraising you've got a, a, a population on your facebook group of probably 20 percent. yeah it can be a bit overwhelming um yeah so for what sure. type of have you seen then people coming into the the yes tribe do people then personally undertake challenges would you say to to try and for its transformative effect or is that is that something they're looking to do or are they like what, what are people seeking and, and how do you find them manifesting that i think in the early days of the yes tribe there there was definitely a, a core of adventure which wasn't really surprising because it grew out of my own my own following my own adventure following and i'd you know i've got this i've got this adventure project which i which i've had since the beginning expedition 1000 25 different journeys over a thousand miles each one using a different form of non-motorized transport so it started with the skateboard and i've been doing them ever since and i 
while adventure is i think a really great personal development tool it's not for everybody and yeah now and then you hear about someone going on adventures we have a few adventurers talk at our events but i think the main demographic on the yes tribe now and it's it's kind of hard from from a distance kind of staring through my screen and trying to understand what the main demographic is because it's it's pretty wide ranging mm. it's just people who uh it feels like it's people who want to belong um and they don't they don't like drama and that's that's my kind of crowd you know that people just want to be encouraging and yeah we've got i think we've got 65 percent female females on there and uh 30 to 35 percent male and i think it's it's people who are just kind of in touch with themselves or have even been through some kind of trauma uh often depression and then you know they they, they become stronger for it um it's, it's a really hard one hard one to put on but i'm all i can say is just have a look at the yes tribe group and see the variety of of different posts on there you know people have been through something and uh they, they feel happy to share on there uh, there were a few adventurous things, of course, but you know, adventure is different for everybody. Like going going wild swimming in the sea f- when you're a 65 year old woman is just as difficult as it was for me to skateboard across Australia as a 26 year old. Uh, so you know, there's there's no there's no judgment. You know, it's just you know, well done for doing something new. That's awesome. So you mentioned your 25,000 um, 25, or more. What's on the list that you've done so far? <laughs> so I've, I've done 15 of those 25 trips so far. So skateboard, kayak, tandem bicycle. Oh, God, this is a challenge. Stand-up paddleboarding, sailed across the Pacific, a bike car, which is kind of this homemade four-wheel quarter-ton bicycle. Um, I swam a 1,000 miles. Uh elliptigo it's like an elliptical trainer on wheels with brakes like a bicycle uh, a bike a tricycle with a sail and then just a normal kind of recumbent trike a pedal powered kayak called hobie a swifty scooter uh, around japan man number 13 was with my now wife then then uh, then girlfriend ems on a on a tandem bicycle and then Number 14 was a water bike down the Norwegian coast. And then last year, number 15, I took a recumbent bike across the States. Uh, so, yeah, still 10, still 10 to go. And it still you've, still keeps me ticking. Are you struggling for different no. um, modes of transport now? <laughs> no way. <laughs> this Expedition 1000 thing has been has been my identity for for over a decade and i don't i don't think a day goes by without someone sending me an email or a facebook message with a new suggestion Uh, i've got a list of hundreds on my on my expedition 1000 page on my website so when the time comes to choose the next one and i don't plan really more than four weeks in advance uh it's it's pretty easy i'll just look down the list and think oh yeah i'm ready for a land trip a, a water trip let's uh let's do it and which one's been the hardest swimming easily i usually the i I, so i don't train for any of this stuff i 
I'm a real believer in keeping them cheap. So out of those 15, only two have cost more than a thousand pounds to put together. And I don't do any training. So 11 out of the 15, the first time that I tried the transport was on the day I started. Wow. Uh, and and then just take it nice and slow. The first couple of weeks, you go really slowly, you work out slowly where to where to pack things. Your Your body grows into it obviously and then and your mind as well and then usually i think if you do something all day every day even from complete novice for four solid days you you get pretty good at it you get good enough to to go at a decent pace and that's the beauty like this is about slow travel it's not about world records or 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 any kind of uh paper achievement for me i just i just really really like traveling slow and and learning stuff and meeting new people uh for, for me the world's at its most beautiful when it's when it's that simple and and how does the location change the challenge like which ones would you say have been the extremes <laughs> um wow uh i mean i've had everything from riding a weird recumbent tricycle with a sail across the atacama desert in chile uh you know totally arid no 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 showers throughout the whole of that trip uh camping in the desert wide open star-filled skies and then in 2018 i took a water bike along the norwegian coastline and I was just absolutely nailed by the Norwegian and North Seas. I was often four or five miles offshore crossing over these huge Ford mouth, fjord mouths on wow. this, on this amazing, it was, it was just the most epic trip. I think it's the second hardest I'd say looking back, but also, you know, I'd, I'd camp on remote shores and, and, uh, and islands. It took me nine weeks to get down there and, our killer whales would be coming up alongside and you know huge bull seals and oh it was it was a magical trip uh but i also had just always had this little ball of anxiety inside i kind of when i start these things i'm gonna i'm gonna finish them unless unless there's a really really good reason like breaking a leg and um yeah so it doesn't even even though on that water bike the the pontoons underneath the bike were were inflatable pretty rugged rubber but it could have you know it could have lost lost air got a puncture at some point and i would i just wouldn't i wouldn't have survived the water was way too cold i was too far off offshore so i i carried and i only realized afterwards that throughout that whole trip i was carrying this ball of anxiety Mm. just clenching uh every single time I, i went out because I knew it would just take it would just take equipment failure to to knock me off. But um, I guess at the same time, you you choose the equipment in these things that's going to do the trick. You know, I don't there's no point going cheaply. Uh, I don't I don't see the point in going off and doing an adventure and having a near death experience. It's, it, it's about living for me. Uh, I think it's really foolish to to be to be close to the edge. And. How does your body adapt? Have you got any tips for ways in which you've you've learned to reduce that ache and speed up adaptation? Um, I've been really remarkably lucky in terms of injury, but I think also I don't I don't I don't push too hard too early. I think your body over the course of time 
is just amazing and giving it the opportunity to grow into a different way of movement uh is a real is a real physical privilege and and i i, I take so much heart from you know kind of a that four-week spell from complete beginner to then you know looking in a mirror or kind of looking down and thinking oh, i'm a different shape you know that's that's really really cool a good example i think letting it happen you know is is the key and not pushing too fast like not going beyond your limits uh and our limits are, are sky high if we give a give ourselves time to get there i think swimming is a great example I'd, I'd never swum more than 100 meters in one go before and the only reason i decided to swim a thousand miles because my parents got me some swimming goggles for christmas so i thought <laughs> all right i better use Bastards. these ones yeah. so i know <laughs> i looked at them and thought oh fuck you uh so <laughs> uh eight months later i jumped into the missouri river and i was just splashing around and the first four days i was like okay what strokes do they have in the olympics i'm gonna give each one of these a go and then slowly I settled into a front crawl, fingers open, fingers closed, elbows out at different heights, different flutter kicks until, yeah, four days later, it just felt really natural. And, you know, when you're in a bath or, or a shower for a long time and your your skin gets really crinkly mm. after after about three weeks, my I'd just be releasing way more oil natural oil from my skin and i didn't get crinkly anymore uh, it was like your body my body was like okay dude you're spending 11 hours in the water every single day you're a fish so have some oil and and even now uh, that's that's the case uh, <laughs> you're quite oily now yeah i'm i'm really <laughs> and it's upsetting, poor emma it's upsetting for emma. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that just amazing that it just takes it just takes a few weeks to, for your body to start to adapt mm. uh and I, I yeah i just i've never been a racer you know i i i i'm in i'm in massive awe of you know people who train for an ironman or or a marathon like that's way more intense physically than any of my trips uh by by far just because you're putting your body through so much um and it's I mean that's tough. I, my my body's relatively knackered now. I've, you know, slowly, uh, slowly eroded all of my joints. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I I don't I don't have any any urge to be a marathon. That's why I feel like a bit of a fake being on this podcast because I I just I can't run anymore. <laughs> well, I, I think it's actually we, JD and I we were recording. I think the roundup of, of Mimi Anderson's podcast um last night and we were saying that actually it's it's amazing how many people who are even these endurance athletes who you're saying you you admire them they they feel like frauds and people like Dean Karnatis and Mimi Anderson are looking at other people saying but I'm not that I feel like a fraud and those people are <laughs> someone else saying but I'm not like that I feel like a fraud and I think uh. um there are very few people I think who who are pushed to extremes who are satisfied versus everyone on earth that they're not a fraud compared to someone if you have that mentality so um the grass is always greener and it's so easy for other people to compare you're always going to be your own worst enemy trying to consider that stuff and I think comparison is it's completely folly when it comes down to this stuff every everyone works in a different way everyone's body uh is, is better in a different way and all of these challenges ultimately come from come from within you know you can't compare 
Dean Karnazes to Mimi Anderson or Rosie Swale Pope, you know. And have you, have you found, because one of my concerns, and, and I've it's, this is probably more to do with Escape the City, actually, than Yes Chibe, um, but is that uh, there is this, there's been this move towards that, you know, we're dissatisfied with life, we want more, and we're, we're viewing the world differently. And hmm. that certainly, it certainly works to change and to try something new for a few people who um, there might not be space for everyone to do that, or people might not be suited in their talents or their mentality. Have you had any people um, you know, take that plunge and, and really struggle? Or do you think there's some people that maybe aren't right in terms of their mentality to mm. just take a plunge yeah absolutely i i i think the world of work especially and work is something that we we all have to do but it the the landscape has changed so much in the last decade you know work, working from a laptop or even a phone is so much more possible now and you know different 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 interests and talents have just been democratized by the internet you know you can sean conway who's i don't know if he's been on your podcast mm. but sean's you know he, he ran the length of britain kind of one and a half times <laughs> uh <laughs> as well as a bunch of other trips he mm. you know he he loves making knives like carving knife handles <laughs> I didn't and, know that. you know there might there might be like 17 other people in the world who who like knife handles but because of that he can he can sell some he can make a a part living from 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 carving knives you from know murder <laughs> yeah yeah exactly let's not, let's not talk about chips. what he uses the knives for so i think <laughs> in, that, in that sense i don't think there can be too many people out there because you know if you're if you're on the the yes tribe or escape the city or any other like-minded groups of which there are hundreds thousands around the world um you tend to you tend to have those talks and you're you're in a community of people who would who are hustling who are you know creating creating their own living somewhere or another but there's still you know 95 percent of the population aren't thinking that way aren't doing aren't doing that individual self-employed stuff so i don't i don't think we're ever going to run out of of capacity for it but your 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 question was bang on i think it's it's a mindset the idea I think if you look from afar at someone who's self-employed or making a living from adventure or does a lot of long distance running trips and have somehow made a career out of it, that feels compared to whatever life that you're living and you're unsatisfied with, it feels like the dream. It feels like that person's got it made. Uh, so, but there's, there's so much that comes between that feeling and getting to where that that person you're looking at is uh you know time is is one huge one uh you know i've been like every i get an email now and then from from like a 15 year old who's like i've just been asked to give my first public talk how much do you charge i want to know because <laughs> they're gonna they're Instead gonna of like that's 50 grand <laughs> yeah and i'm like I'm just like piss off, you know. Go and like come back to me in 15 years. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't know what you're worth. Um, and I, 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 it, I think that longevity, that that willingness to, to go through five or ten years of, of discomfort, of mm. learning until you 
you have that inverted commas dream job um that staying power i don't think is is innately we're not born with it we have to learn it but everybody can it just takes it just takes perseverance and i think in many ways the world that we live in you know we're 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 saturated by content through our phones which you know lasts for 15 seconds and then we're done and on to the the next graham norton clip and i don't think it's really not easy to go from that you know instant satisfaction that that we get from our screens to spending years working on a new career or lifestyle uh and i i I think that mindset and that that perseverance is there to be to be learned and taught but which is why adventure i think going on a long distance adventure is such a such a good training tool um but do you you think think there's also an there's an age where because when you you made the plunge which you know, was a long time ago now do, do you think the fact that you were um you were fairly new out of university you, you weren't tied down you didn't have mortgages you weren't involved in massive social circles because do, do you think there is a, a right time to do it because my my concern would be that for one that a lot of people just see the latest stories. They're like, oh, Sean Conway's done this thing, written a book about it, does speak. So I need to do that thing. Then I mm. can write a book, I can speak. But also, actually, the reality is, if I was to try and become a full-time adventurer now, my life is too embedded in spending money mm-hmm. with my friends and hanging out with them mm-hmm. and doing all these things, and, and but also wanting to do all these things as well. Do, do you think there is an element in of, of life where you, your, your life becomes too complex to to simplify so much yeah i think so um it, obviously there's an ex, there's an exception to every rule not that this is a rule but when you're you know when you're young and single and free you don't have kids you you don't have a mortgage etc etc then it's so much easier to say right i'm gonna go get a paddleboard and i'm gonna paddle down a river for three months than it is to have that conversation with your your wife or your husband of a decade and you've got kids running around you can't just you can't just leave that responsibility um or you need a very understanding partner if you want to so i i think it's really important that people don't dive into lifelong responsibility early because how how can we possibly know who we are and what lives we want to lead before we're 30 i think i think it's really really it it still amazes me that people go to university and they start in their teens when they've got no life experience uh and and learn that that thing that degree that's supposed to carry them through an adult life uh i think i think we should we should probably finish school at 15 or 16 go and have apprenticeships like three or four different careers until we're we're 21 22 and then work for a while and then go back to school to study what we're going to do for the rest of our 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, mm. That would make a lot more sense to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that if, if you don't have a great deal of freedom and a lot of responsibility, then it is going to be harder to completely reshape your career. But at the same time, maybe you don't need to reshape your career. There's still a lot of time either side of work you know whether it's any given day or the weekend or your holidays where you can you can slowly you know build up 
so many people in the yes tribe who've taken a really measured approach to it have slowly gone down to four then three maybe even two days work a week staying in their old jobs while they've been building up a new career um, or business and and that's worked for a lot of people rather than just quit dive into something and then think oh man I don't know what's next, you know, and then eventually the safety net is going find another job and 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 that becomes a bit of a swing. Uh, yeah. yeah, you almost want to be of that that frog that sits in the in the in the pot while the heat's turned up, but in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I think. Oh, it, this is tough, David, and, you know. Every, everybody comes from from a different place. It's so much easier to do this stuff if one you're you're humble and you're willing to ask for help. Uh, there's e- even now like with the Yes Tribe, um, it's so rare that someone from the Yes Tribe who is going through all of this stuff that I've been through, uh, or so many other people in the tribe have been through, it's so rare that they ask for mentor mentorship or or advice. Uh, I think everybody feels like they can learn straight off YouTube these days. And, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's dangerous. That's, that's really seductive. And I, mm. I think simply the, the, the key behind any kind of success is the really hard graft behind the scenes and finding some kind of joy from, from the menial stuff, you know, loving the building of the project rather than the final, the final outcome. And that's really key. Like I, 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 I'd love that that first idea of, oh wow, I'm going to go and swim swim a thousand miles. That sounds awesome. But then I, I love engaging with you know building a team or work or, or fundraising and building the website, taking the photos, making the film at the end of the thing. Uh, I, I love the whole process. There's there's not there's not any of that that I I discount going forwards. Um, but it it takes time to work out that stuff. So if you, if you could suggest to our listeners, because a lot of our listeners have have done ultras, some of them have done, some of them haven't, some of them have only done kind of 5Ks, half marathons, some mm. of them multi-days. Multi what would you recommend is like a nice first step out of their comfort zone into taking on a new adventure that, that you think could be something achievable whilst maintaining your your, your current lifestyle obviously that's quite a hard one for you to just <laughs> pull out of the bag but is there hmm. any 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 kind of random ideas you've heard about others doing that you think that's quite a nice one actually that anyone could attempt um there are, there are some people who've kind of done all right i've got two ideas uh a lady called jen george uh who is a teacher in her part time last year she did 365 adventures in 2019 so every day she did something new it might have been learning how to climb or or learning how to draw on and on and on um so at the end of the year she's got all of these all of these you know great little little nuggets to look at and she'll never do some of them again because she she knows she doesn't enjoy them but some of them uh, she'll mm-hmm. take on further in in a running sense though uh whether it's for you know if, if you looked at Jamie McDonald or Sean Conway or Rosie Swell Pope, Mimi Anderson, on and on, and you like the idea of doing a big running adventure, then the best place to start is somewhere just beyond. I'm not going to say just beyond your comfort zone, but consider like you've if you've run 12 mile, if you've done your your 13 mile half marathon before and that's the longest you've ever run. 
decide over a weekend to run 14 miles on the Saturday and then camp out somewhere and then run home. And you'll, you'll be amazed at how much time you've got in the day. You know, it, what does it take? Two, three hours, maybe four to run, depending how bad your back is or, or your legs are, to run 13, 14 miles. That gives you another 20 hours in the day to play with. Uh, and it's amazing how, how the days stretch out when that's the only thing you have to worry about. Obviously, then, you know, if you if you want to write a blog and take some photos, then maybe that's another two or three hours in the day. But you still got plenty of time to sleep and meet people and find a place to wild camp. Uh, and it's there's a feeling of real satisfaction with that. I think if you really want to get bitten by this bug, then having an interesting story to tell rather than I'm training for a marathon. You know, I think you, everyone listening to this has probably seen these little <laughs> cartoons of, of you know, someone dating when they're training for an Ironman. You know, it's just like, uh, we can have breakfast at six o'clock in the morning and yeah. then I'm training for an Ironman, <laughs> you know. Make it interesting. You know, if you've got an interesting story to tell, you'll engage with more people, you'll interest more people, you'll realise more people care about you uh, because, you know, you're more interesting uh so it, it, you know and if so if you're training for a marathon why don't you why don't you go and do a micro adventure run somewhere new and then camp over and then run home uh choose some funny town names uh like there's loads of towns in england if you like cheese there's loads of towns in england that have names after cheese so run from one to the other and call it your your cheese marathon you know just just think of something a little bit different and if you put a smile on people's face you'll start to get you'll you'll start to get more ideas like that and suddenly before you know it you've kind of built up this this uh this little collection of of smaller adventures and it's so much easier to go off and do a bigger one when you've when you know you can run camp run you know the only difference between that and running around the world is you just carry on going. And I like that idea as well, because it, it's it's been it's strange that we've all been straightjacketed into thinking we have to do London Marathon. And that yeah. that's the, the only thing that exists that's worthwhile in doing in running or to tell your friends. And and you're right. Actually, it is pretty boring for most people involved, especially oh, in the running community. It's, so it's a great race. Boring. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a great race, but isn't isn't the point of, of getting out and being held? And I'm not like hats off to anyone who's run a marathon, whether it's New York, Boston, London, anywhere. But why? Why would you? Why would? OK, the community's an amazing. There's there's loads of reasons why you do it. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to do something different, if that's your drive, yeah. then yeah. how many people doing have run the, from from Gloucester to Red Leicester? exactly you've got it and then via cheddar you know yeah, via cheddar in red leicester yeah and who, who's run from ham to sandwich you know there's, <laughs> uh, and and that's that's awesome you know the distance may be less it might be more but i i i really strongly think that the way we engage with people is heightened uh in you know an e an equal line with the interest of the story it's and a factor isn't it yeah, it's not just novelty, but it's it's there's there's something more to it. It's not like oh that other person is hosting this event, so I'm going to go and do that because it's easier to do than just think of my own unique thing. You know, who who are you going to listen to? Someone is telling a story of of running, you know, a scheduled marathon versus someone who decides to run along Hadrian's Wall. Uh, 
and there's 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 so much beauty in that and it's and it's infinite if you if anyone's ever ever saying to you every adventure's been done you know everywhere's been explored there's just no point doing that stuff it's absolute nonsense because david you and i could run along exactly the same stretch of 10 mile road or over the same countryside track just 10 minutes apart and when we came to make a little film or tell a story about it afterwards, our stories would be completely different. We all see the world in a different way. We're all going to meet different people and, and get different things out of those conversations and encounters. We're all going to see this, the smaller stuff in a different way as well. You know, it's uh, you know, this is where you find the really interesting stuff when you do something brand new for you. And as soon as you get into that habit, oh, yeah that's life well you're you're living without limitations aren't you so um and just just in case because i love that idea of people running and then doing the wild camping are there any rules that we should be aware of or is there any kind of general advice on that so that you don't get into trouble with farmers or <laughs> break the law or um, things along those lines yeah i mean so wild camping is a really funny one in the UK. If you go to Scotland or Norway, Sweden, you're allowed to wild camp anywhere as long as it's not in someone's front po- front porch. Um, but in England, most land is public. You know, it's to- wild camping is tolerated in some national parks like Dartmoor. Uh, but most of the time, it's kind of just gently, inverted commas, illegal. So my main advice is, just don't set up at three o'clock in the afternoon on a summer's day and hope that no one sees your tent uh, in the remaining seven hours of sunlight. Just don't get caught. Um, be be thoughtful about other people. You know, if you're camping in a woodland, don't camp on a on a path which is well trodden by early morning dog walkers. Uh, you know, just move 50 meters into the undergrowth and no one will see you. Uh, you'll you'll get a better sleep because you're not worried about people finding you because you you decided not to hide <laughs> and uh and you won't you won't scare or bother anyone uh who who comes across you i've i must have camped oh, i don't know well over a thousand times uh wild camping um having just found the place a few minutes before sundown and not once have i been caught and i just i love that feeling you know there's a there's a free bed for us all out there the best way possible. <laughs> Absolutely. It's normally Matt Matt Simpson's bed. You, sorry, you won't know who that is, but um and um and when you when you finally hit your twenty five, what happens then? I don't know. I, I I didn't know what happened when I finished my first one and it seems to have worked out since then. Uh I I've got so much more now than you know, just this one idea to skateboard across Australia. I, you know, I've got this. The Yes Tribe is is on and on. We're constantly, we're constantly doing new things. Um, depending on what side of the bed I wake up in the morning, we've we've just bought seven acres of woodland. Talking about this wild camping thing, uh, I guess the only the only forward thinking aim I have with the Yes Tribe beyond growing the community is to buy up little plots of woodland around the UK. So we have some legal areas where people can wild camp. Uh, so I'm working on community funding projects for that. But other than that, for my own adventures, we'll work it out. Maybe I'll do 25 quirky motorized trips. Or maybe I'll just, maybe I'll have a little baby by then uh, or three. And I'll just think, you know, I'll grow some vegetables in the garden. I've done my trips. <laughs> and do, do you think there's a... Done. 
is there a challenge is there a, a, a chance that you might take something that will rebalance your left calf at all or <laughs> well i i took a, a kick scooter swifty scooter around japan in in 2016 and it's basically a glorified more balanced skateboard because it's got a handlebar so I, I pushed a lot with my other calf then um but i don't know i kind of like my right calf it reminds me of <laughs> it reminds me of being nicely naive and, and thinking that skateboarding across australia would be uh would be easy <laughs> Well, thanks, thanks so much for coming on with your uh, with your oily calves and all. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it, I just love the ethos of, of Yes Tribe. And actually, um, you know, we we know each other a little bit, but I've I've always been a little bit uh, nervous, I'd say, about just how how much encouragement there is given out there for people to willy nilly just take the plunge. But actually, it, it really sounds like you've you're really doing it responsibly and in a really positive way which is which is great um you know that's exactly what the world needs so um thanks for coming on the podcast and, and thanks for being so open and, and just thanks for being you as well thanks buddy couldn't be anyone else and, you too yeah and if, if people want to kind of get in touch if they want to follow if they want to contribute if they want to get involved what's the best way for them to do that uh the yes tribe have a look at sayyesmore.com or dig out the yes tribe facebook group uh and we're at the yes tribe on on instagram as well and my stuff is davecornthwaite.com or if you can't spell cornthwaite davecorn.com and uh yeah i'm dave corn on instagram as well amazing well good luck with the three babies dave and uh stay in touch <laughs> god help us cheers mate <laughs> wow well, what do you think about that oh man i love that episode i really really loved it um Really loved it. I mean, I, I always enjoy our episodes, but yeah, and, and, and it's partly because I've known Dave from, I might have met Dave before the podcast existed. I can't remember how long ago. It, what? It went, Things existed before this podcast? Relationships, the world, what? Well, have I told you, have I told you who Dave is? Like his relationship with, with us? No. So Dave is... Um, Dave's wife was one of the organisers of the Sierra Leone Marathon. Oh! Do you remember that lovely Emma great. with her very pretty eyes? Um, there were a lot of girls with pretty eyes on that. That's I true. Don't, I, don't, I don't know. I have no... Um, there were a lot of girls... Do you know what? Well, there were a lot of girls in street. A lot of younger girls in, uh, in street... I say girls, women in uh, street child um, running that. So no, I can't remember. Yeah, so it's partly that link you know that so i've known dave through um actually i knew dave before uh, separately to to emma but uh, because he's someone I've, I've seen the growth of yes tribe and I've, I've been to one of his talks i've seen some of them online we've had a lot of crossover but i've never really been fully engaged in in that community and i've heard different things from different people um a lot of it positive some of it potentially like question marks yeah and so it's always quite hard to know how an interview is going to go with someone even if you know them a little bit or know them a lot yeah and well it's always difficult, yeah. difficult when you know them because the thing is you don't always think they yeah you know, how are they going to show up you never know yeah absolutely true because you, you never really a lot of people have a radio voice or a podcast voice or a on-screen voice 
and I, I, hopefully the beauty of our podcast is that we get to people's real voice um and I mean, we're not real we're actually really really funny in real we're life. like gorillas <laughs> the gorillas we're all yeah, yeah, we're the... <laughs> since they've broken up but um but yeah i i just love the mix of everything and and what I, what i'd really like about dave and and this interview and, and i guess his outlook is he's he's such a great person and he's he's created this this life for himself yeah but, but it's obvious that it has taken years and years to get there and while there's there was a movement before yes tribe would like escape the city this whole dissatisfaction with having a normal life yeah working for an accountancy or working in marketing for a brand like as if that we shouldn't be satisfied with that from life you know that's not real living yeah and in in a lot of the networks that i i know that seems to be this growing itch with a lot of people that it felt as if you should you know this isn't how we should continue in the future let's all quit our jobs and let's instead go and go to panama and do something or and it has to be these crazy challenges and these, these huge transformations and actually i think that's wrong i think you know people should try and find happiness where they are and if not figure out where they need to be to find that happiness and and dave's created this life that i think a lot of people are jealous of or would, would like but he's quite open about the fact it took bloody years of sleeping rough and having no money whatsoever and every this huge this hugely frugal living people need to know that when they see the finished product like that's not where you end up same with people like sean conway you know he, he wasn't a big annie uh, anna mcnuff when you see them for the first time and they've done this adventure and they're now head girl guide or whatever it may be that is years and years of absolute slog of things that you're probably not prepared to do yourself yeah yeah no that's always the way isn't it you always you always see what's above the water don't you you don't see what's below it yeah nice nice little phrase that nice little phrase <laughs> oh yeah tied that into uh, that's a tied into the iron man training there just to <laughs> <laughs> but do you, yeah do, is it if you ever at points in your life and, and obviously everyone has question marks in their journey have you ever thought i just want to bunk it all in run away i want to escape i want to transform so you ask me how many times a week do i think that, <laughs> <are you? laughs> well, fact, that why it was a long pause because you were <laughs> yeah, yeah, mid-thought yeah, yeah, exactly I know. I was, sorry so I, I was thinking about somewhere else um i think <laughs> I, I think there's a realization when you're when you're younger and um uh you do like a lot of travel and things like that you associate that with kind of being free and, and all that thing. And so whenever you feel like you want to be, you know, you want to sort of, then it all becomes serious in your career and, and you find yourself doing stuff and being pulled away from either how you were or how you thought you were going to be. Um, you have a tendency to look back at those times when you were traveling and you had like those more, it was more carefree as to think that's what I need to get to. Mm. But really that's a form of nostalgia. That's not a form. That's of what happiness me. is rather. Yeah, than... exactly. That's what happiness is because that's what I've experienced before without working out. Actually, that's not what I need in the future. What I need in the future is because you think it's okay. It, 
it's when you it's when you go okay i remember yeah being on hosan road and like downing beers in a you know in a bar in you know a hot, you know, hot and sweaty bangkok and that really is an epitomization actually i do think that you know that's what like one of so i went to i went to some coaching once they said you know just imagine like what happiness would be to you and that's what i imagined <laughs> um and <laughs> uh, that's the thing that first came to mind and um but if i did that now yeah. i'm just a 40-year-old bloke trying to recapture his youth drinking some... You know, You're it, basically it, sweetheart. It would... <laughs> there's, there's, there's something about it that's like, it's not... It, you think that that's what you want, but actually that's not really what you want. It's not what you want at all because yeah. your life has changed stuff. And so... And, and also that, part of that moment is the fact that you're so young and yeah. this is a, a completely new world to you this is this pure discovery yeah absolutely. pure thrill and excitement and and you think you have baggage then but you have much more baggage now and the problem is you then realize that trying to escape stuff and go you know like go on these big um epic things that you think are going to be transformational doesn't work because essentially the one thing that you take with all of them is yourself and you're the one that needs to you're the one that you either need to be happy with yourself or mm. learn to be happy with yourself and find happiness within it. And you, can only, you, you don't need to go abroad and do that. You don't need to go on these big transformational journeys. You've got this whole myth about going and discovering yourself, you know, putting myself out there and seeing my limits or putting myself out there and, you know, having enlightenment, stuff like that. This is like a big myth that's been solved. And so it's that, it's understanding that. And so that's the, that's the thing that, you know, that you think about that I think you, you as you mature, and you become more self-aware of where you are. That's, that's the thing you have to deal with, is the fact that you know, just becoming happy with yourself so that you can live the life that you want, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the hard part, isn't it? Understanding what creates your happiness. Yes. Um, and and it's, it's always, it's not, it's not a destination. It's, uh... Yeah. But what do you think? What do, you, do, do you think, oh, I want to escape it all? Not escape at all. That's the thing. I, my mind would be completely. I think escape is almost a push, isn't it? Yeah, it's like. It's, Whereas, it's like if I remove myself, I mean, and I think there's a lot of about your environment does have a big impact on you, but that is that is almost temporary. You know what? What is it you ultimately want from from what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's the thing. I, in terms of, we're getting quite deep here, Dave. Look what you've look what you've created right at the end of the episode as well. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of my life, I'm, you know, I'm very, very happy and content with nearly every aspect of it. Probably the only thing being that I have no money. <laughs> that, that defines so much, and you know, your feeling of success and almost, um, yeah, your your sense of achievement. If, if you can't afford to do things, it's a constant pressure and a constant nag and a constant reminder. So if, I, if that change, which hopefully it will be, is you know, the Cafe Bullets taking off, and um, yeah, it would be a very different situation. But I do, so since, since we recorded the interview with David, and it's really interesting actually, because Do Badders, we're doing this summary having just interviewed Bo Miles, who probably is coming out in five, six weeks. And he's very similar to Dave in that he's doing these journeys and having these experiences that are just so relatable and intrinsically interesting. And um, yeah, I, so Dave actually did a live Facebook um, 
talk about his longboarding the Mississippi. And it was so good. And I'd love to do that because the the experiences and the adventures he had were amazing. And and you know when you do something like the Marathon de Sable, you, you have some experiences and that but they tend to be that they're limited in that you're you're in a limited sphere of runners. Yeah, this is pro- yeah, there are parameters in which they never it's a safe environment to have an adventure, isn't it? That's the thing. And there's not and it, and it is still a massive adventure, but mm. it, you're not going to have a vastly different experience from a lot of other. It's going to be within a yeah. within the kind of same realm and it's going to be, you know, the same the same challenges that everyone you're never going to be you know i was attacked by a marauding bunch of <laughs> yeah. spiders or i met a berber family and then i lived with them for three months and uh, you know they y- taught me they taught me the ways of the sand people or something like that yeah and that's that's the thing it's almost the experiences that you had when you were traveling they were so exciting because they were genuinely new and Actually, it's, it's, it's thinking back to when I was selling books door to door in West Virginia, that I probably had my biggest adventure because just it was absolutely random craziness where you'd have your bike smashed in by a local drug gang because they think you're trying to move in on their turf or um, just so, so much weirdness that's unpredictable that you have to deal with that you're not expecting. Um, I think that element of what Dave does, because none of his challenges have been about the fastest, the longest. Um, although you know, the first person to paddleboard the Mississippi has an, an element of that. It's the fact that you're coming into contact with people who, and same with Bo, with people who don't know anything about what you're doing, who will be completely mystified or confused by what you're doing and it's it's the the tapestry that those experiences give you that i'm really envious of Uh, i'd love to go and do something like that um but actually the good thing about briggsy is she'd love stuff like that too and we've it's, it's interesting now you know our wedding's been delayed for a year and to a certain extent elements of our life uh, seem to be already kind of locked into place where you know we're probably going to buy a different house we're um we're going to have kids i'd imagine in two years time or three years time and and those those aspects they're not baggage but those are the elements that you say that you can't for your work yeah that's it you can't you can't do anything with that you're and and that and it brings a new structure to your life and, and and new challenges but there is a there is a limitation i i do think though having you you having said that that the universe is, um, you know, or whatever you want to believe, is actually, you know, you're saying that you're happy with all the aspects of your life apart from the money thing. I think the universe is in place, is preventing you having money because it's just worried what you're going to do with it. <laughs> because I think, the thing is, you, I, so the thing I think about you in terms of the way, um, the way that you approach uh, life and you approach challenges, stuff like that, is like you've got to be the most self-motivated individual I think I, I know. And and the fact is, you just you just do stuff. You, you know, your your level of energy is on a par that of no one else I know. And I just think if you combine that with money, there is a huge amount of danger. If, yeah. So I think that what it's going to do, you're going to have to. It's going to literally 
the first child that pops out, <laughs> Pixie, the money will land on your lap because they're like, you can't do anything with it. Right? Like, here's your money. We've been building it up for years, but we just somehow need to just make sure that you don't use it for, for yeah, if you, something Yeah, if you think Elon insane. Musk has got some wacky <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't combine that level of energy, imagination and money together because we just don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, 100%. But I'd, I'd love to know, actually, and we, we always say, we are always asked to do batters, and the reality of our lives is, and the way that we broadcast and put episodes out way later than we ask these questions, so we forget about them. But I, I'd love to actually know, the do batters, having listened to this episode, like, has it changed your view on things like the type of challenges you undertake, your outlook on life, um, what you're going to potentially find interesting or, or something you want to take on in the future. Cause yeah, I, I do think Dave has, has given a, a view on, on life that many people won't have heard or is often not, not talked about. Um, yeah. Which different, different from a podcast that's normally about running, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's normally about running. It's got running in the title. It that's does. It, it does. <laughs> Well, do batters. We've got quite a few episodes, and we know we've got these fresh in our mind because we've we've already spoken about the recommendations at the end of the bow episode, which is all the same. Don't, people don't, are don't give away. Don't give it away. Just make it. Let make us look professional. <laughs> but yeah, I let. I always suggest them first, and then Jody has to to scrap around for the <laughs> next <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Jody, why don't you lead us off? Uh... Oh yeah, definitely the Sean Conway one. I think the Sean Conway uh, episodes are great because you know he talks about um, uh, you know th- that motivation as well and doing things which align with with um, how you feel um, rather than stepping along to someone else's tune. Yeah, I, we mentioned Anna McNuff. She's great. She I'm trying to remember what what she's done. She's run around the coast of New Zealand. She did cycled or ran or something in the states where she had that she saved the life of some people in a car um, and she's now she's known for the most recently for the barefoot running across the uk but she's yeah. the head the head um girl guide and she's just ace and fun and enthusiastic danny bent he ran across scotland this island iceland he's done a huge number of challenges he's another kindred spirit to them in fact we've had quite a few of the the adventuring sort that aren't the the kind of grueling adventurers yeah and i i think they'd make wonderful guests that just so much more color to the the story yeah absolutely well thanks for listening guys if you like this episode please do uh leave a lovely five-star review wherever you get your media do subscribe if you want us to interview people in the future tag me on facebook get in the facebook group and tag me um we do see all of those and we won't necessarily speak to everyone and sometimes they won't speak to us but we do get the people you want on to uh, on the episodes if you want to ask questions to people in the future please follow us on instagram and you can then see who we're going to be talking to put your questions in there and we'll incorporate them in the conversation or ask them at the end and uh yeah i guess that probably covers most of it isn't it, reviews you want reviews reviews subscribe, reviews subscribe to us on itunes or your other favorite podcast aggregator um rate us uh five star preferably and review us as well um the funnier the reviews the better you may even get it written out written out read out <laughs> and if you and, and we, you might 
we haven't done that in about two years but you might you might <laughs> in fact we might start doing that <laughs> we might say if we remember when i go next time someone goes someone tell, um, informs me that someone's saying how unfunny i am and i go back and check the reviews i might pick out a few at that point and see yeah and, and actually the reality is everything we do in content is because we think it's good content so we'll only read reviews if we think people will find them funny it's why we don't do listener shout outs or rate your runs it's why we those. don't involve listeners at all because they're not <laughs> funny and we don't like talking to them <laughs> and it takes too much time to organize but thanks for listening guys um and we'll be back next week with hopefully another amazing episode we'll see you then see you later but a bye 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 but a bye 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 Fuck you, buddy.